Welcome to the Tabletop Submarine, where we dive a little bit deeper into why we love board games. Strap in and prepare for a deep sea adventure. Here are your hosts. Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! I can't hear you! Aye, aye, Captain! Oh! Who lives in a submarine under the sea? Tabletop submarine! We play board games that all you can see! Tabletop submarine! If tabletop nonsense be something you wish! Tabletop submarine! Then flop on the deck and go like a fish! Tabletop submarine! Everybody! Tabletop submarine! Tabletop submarine! Tabletop submarine! Tabletop submarine! Listen first! I had to do it. I thought of it on the way home from work. I was like, I'm going to do this. and yeah. <laughs> It just all came about. Listeners, welcome to the Tabletop Submarine Podcast. As you always, I am your host, Josh. And with me is my loyal, loyal co-host. Uh, I'm Andrew, I think. I don't know if I'm second mate at this point or if I've been thrown overboard. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, we're, we're both captains. They are, they are uh, the... the, the <laughs> You know, Etherfield Cloud people who are responding back to us. There, they are addressing both of us, of course. Great, I'm I'm still here and I'm still on deck. Perfect, that's great. Absolutely, and uh, yes, I love SpongeBob, and I have a kid now, so I have an excuse to watch him as an adult. (laughs) (laughs) So, listeners, we are so excited to have you here today for another great voyage. We have a guest who I've been trying to get on for a while, and I'm very excited to have on. It is going to be King Scott Walton of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We had a Patrick Hefner on very early in the podcast, and I've been wanting to get Scott on, but he's a really busy guy. And these two people, and Scott and Patrick, were really important to me, and I respect for them. I have deep respect for them because they got me into this whole podcasting thing with giving me an opportunity to be on their podcast every once in a while. Um, so, Scott, welcome to the submarine. Well, before we get into anything else here, uh, permission to come aboard, Captain? Oh, I, I, your majesty. Ah, excellent, excellent. Wonderful, wonderful. No, I'm very happy to be here. Uh, I'm very excited uh, to talk board games with you guys and just have a, a, a nice little chat and everything here today. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So, um, Scott, if people don't know who you are, you know, they don't know who King Scott Walton is, can you give us a brief intro, like where people might know you from and what your experience is in the board game world? Well, where have they been living then? <laughs> no, 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 no. I take that back. Under no. a rock. <laughs> no, I am uh, just plain old Scott Walton, live in Pennsylvania. Uh, the whole thing with the King Scott was I worked at the Pittsburgh Renaissance Festival for about 15 years. And the last five years, I've been uh, King Henry VIII and had an absolute blast. And it was just one of those things where I felt like this was a time to step away. I've had a great time doing it. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to outstay the welcome. I want to keep things fresh with the festival. Uh, so it was right. more of a thing of one part. Yeah, I want to have some time to myself. But another part, I want to keep things nice and fresh for everyone. Give someone else a chance to run with King, the person that they have going in right now. Uh, he's going to be spectacular. And it's one of those things where I, I threw it out to our listeners to find out if I can still be called King Scott or not. But uh, it's kind of stuck uh <laughs> and uh I, I i mean i'm happy it's one of those things uh what is it i see the shirt once a king always a king so i guess i'm always I gonna think be that's a about king. right yeah but yeah, uh yeah, you, but yeah 
I've been uh, involved with gaming and board gaming. I stopped and thought about this whenever you sent me uh, the notes and, uh, and all that. And it's like, I think it was 1991. I bought my first uh, starter box for Warhammer. And Ooh. that got me in. And that just sucked me in with the plastic crack. And um, <laughs> started playing that, painting up my Bretonian army, had a huge army with that. Then they dabbled into 40K for a while. And then it was sure. any game that came out, let's give it a try. Um, but uh, but yeah, did that. I've always enjoyed gaming. I've always enjoyed having fun with it. I've enjoyed the experiences you get from it. it a lot of people, I know whenever Patrick and I talk about things, he's really hung up with the mechanics. He enjoys the mechanics of how A goes to B goes to C. I'm more of involved with, how much laughter can you have during the game? How many memories are going to have during the game? Or as we've liked to put it, how many damn it moments you're going to have during the game? Those times whenever yes. someone does what you wanted to do and you can't help but just say, damn it. So based on damn it moments, does that mean assume you played Blood Bowl? <laughs> oh, oh, man. And it goes up well above damn it moments in Blood Bowl. Well above that. <laughs> It does. <laughs> I, I I love that philosophy because like when I first heard that on the podcast, you talking about like the damn it moments and stuff like that, I was like, you know, that's a great thing to think about when designing. Like, how many times can I make the players say that? <laughs> <laughs> if I can do that, that's gonna that means I'm on my way with the game because I think it's such a cool idea. Like, just like, okay, how, how many times can I frustrate the players in a good way? Yeah, so. you have to make them want to come back and play more, though. So yes. Right. It, it, always one of those things that really shows a good game is whenever you can have five damn it moments and then you're like, all right, let's set this thing up again. I know I can do better this time. So what's your favorite army than Warhammer? Because there's too many like we'll say we'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down. What's your favorite 40K army? Uh, favorite 40K army. I've always got to go with my space Marines. I've always been uh, hung nice. up with the Smurfs, with the Ultramarines. Uh, that's always been my, my big army. I've always enjoyed that. Uh, as far as fantasy goes, I've never really gotten into age of Sigmar that much. I've always been the old Warhammer fantasy and being with the Renaissance festival and always loving that stuff. Bretonians just scream to me. So all the knights mm -hmm. on horseback, the peasants with the archers, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. there. such a flavorful army. Absolutely loved that there. So those were my two big armies there. I've been trying to get into Warhammer for so long, but it is just so expensive. Like I'm just like I, I at my store, I'm looking at the combat patrols for 40k. I'm looking at like the you know the, the command squadrons they have for Sigmar. It, it looks so good, but and then we have a pretty good Warhammer Warhammer and war gaming community. But mm -hmm. I'm just like, I, how do I just do I really want to jump into another hobby like this where it's it's so time consuming? It looks so fun. One of the biggest like, things with that, I know I have stepped away i sold my armies and everything and stepped away from it but it's still just kind of like just whispers in your ear gently mm -hmm. scott scott come back we miss you uh but um the, one of the gr two great things that they have out right now one is kill team that one there mm -hmm. you can just play with a small group you have a very flavorful uh army that you do you can name each character uh, you can do your whole Predator movie and have your Arnold and your Duke character and all these different characters uh, that you name and just go through a whole campaign with that. 
And then there's another one I haven't really gotten into, but on uh, there's a website for, I think it's one page rules. I think it is. And they've narrowed down all the intricacies of Warhammer fantasy, Warhammer kill team to like one page of rules and just made mm. it fun to jump into. Um, I haven't really gotten into it that much, but it's just something that looks like a lot of fun, but yeah, there's so many things you can do with um, with the miniatures and having fun with it. And I, I, I know some of the notes that you had about flavorful moments you remember. I remember playing in a tournament. I had one scout and there was a bridge that we were playing underneath and he was standing there. He had his gun out and you saw all these Tyranids, like the alien models coming at it. And it was mm -hmm. such a wonderful like shot. You look underneath that hillside. It's like, this guy is going to die so horribly, but it looks so cool. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it always looks so visceral. Every time I, I see a table of, you know, Warhammer, people who are wargaming, it, it just feels like, like, you know, I always say like, like when it comes to like immersion, I think board gamers are kind of the lower tier sometimes, the mm -hmm. tabletop, then RPGs, but wargaming, I, I tend to want to put it at the top because, you're just so invested in what's going on. You can get so creative what's on the table. Oh, that yeah. I feel like you can't help but get immersed in exactly what you're doing because each individual thing matters. You can physically see everything on the board. No, no, no theater of the mind. You're just immersing yourself what's on the tabletop. And you mm -hmm. care about these characters because they're, they're going to be key to you winning. I, I just, I really need to hop in. I need to like just buy the bullet and buy, buy just maybe buy a kill team starter set one day. And just go for it. <laughs> and, and the community is so, um, so great uh, in a lot of places. I know I played a tournament one time. Someone had an Imperial Guard army and they had redone them completely to look like French Foreign Legion. So they had like mm. the long uh, things over the back of their head, like the little scarves on the back of their hats. They were dressed in red and blue. Such a flavorful thing. One guy even uh, brewed a special beer for his army. So everyone he played, he gave a bottle of beer with this special name for it uh, whenever he played that. against them. It was just such a great thing there. So so much creativity in those players. Well, I think my instruments are starting to, you know, go a little hairwire right now. And uh, we need to get them all settled in. So how about we head into pre-launch procedures and talk about some games we played recently. The pre-launch. Get to know us and our guests. Okay, Andrew, I want to hear from you. What have you been playing recently? So I've been breaking out a classic. We've been playing For Sale, which, as far as I'm concerned, mm. is the absolute best beginning entry-level auction-style game. I feel like you start off with a little bit of money. You're going to spend that money auction-style, picking up cards of different values from the center, and then you're going to turn around in the second part of that game and sell those properties off. Um, this game is so elegant, it's so clean, and it's still interesting. And the more you get people to play, the better it gets, because then you get the little uh, meta game going on about who people are going to bid on what different things. So if you never tried this one, it's a great game. It's also available on Board Game Arena for those who don't want to pick up a physical copy. Highly recommend that one for sale. Yeah, it's been a while since I played that one, and uh, we played it just like, uh, a game day and it was just like here let's do this one let's do this one let's do this one and that one slipped in there and yeah it was a lot of fun i haven't played this one yet i've always wanted to i see it all the time at the store 
I don't know what's stopping me because I heard it plays well in larger player counts. I mean, oh, it I does. Just, yeah. I just made I actually like grab it one day and then just go on a board game night and just like, hey, all 50 of you that I know, let's play. <laughs> let's, play <laughs> let's play for sale. Okay. Um, Scott, you have a really good game that I hear you guys talk a lot about on Level Up. So I'm excited if you talk about it here. Well, yeah, uh, a couple weekends ago, we were uh, guests of uh, a con that was going on in the Pittsburgh area, the Pittsburgh Retro Gaming uh, Expo. Uh, great time, great people, had a wonderful time. Uh, it was the first time that they really delved into playing board games. So they had a board game library there, along with all these retro arcade games and stuff. And uh, they were really surprised at how many board gamers were there until like, midnight playing so we in all our uh, fabulous wisdom decided to pull out yido at like 10 o'clock um <laughs> <laughs> now yido is um actually it's it's a it's a hefty game here uh comes out from Spiel, designed by thomas van de Ginst and wolf planky uh yet two people that really sound like they came from like ancient japan uh, but you're playing in ancient Japan and there's a lot going on in this. Luckily, uh, the version that we have is the, the deluxe version. So you have like kind of a plainish board on one side and then you have the graphic uh, vomit on the other side where it's just so busy with so much artwork. Uh, yeah, no, I, it's it's ridiculous. But um, <laughs> this game here takes you probably about two hours to play. But you're going around and really the main aspect of this is you're trying to fill recipes for uh, different quests that you're going to be doing. So you um, have an auction thing at the beginning to decide who's going to go first, who's going to go second, where you're going to go. Uh, you play around with this and you go around to different areas and pick out like you need a um samurai for this you need a geisha for this uh you might need some money for this so you have to go to different parts of the city in order to get these to put everything together and the one thing that really ties things up is there's a guard that goes around the city and if you place uh your uh person out in that one area of the city the guard moves along you lose all sorts of stuff and it it knocks you back almost to zero so mm. it's one of those things where you're sitting there going, I got the perfect move. Doom, I'm going to get that. And then you forgot about the guard coming around and <laughs> insert damn it moment. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great game. It looks like a lot. It looks really daunting. But once you get into playing, it flows so nicely, so clean, uh, beautiful artwork, uh, excellent gameplay. Um, a lot of interaction with uh, with each other as to like where you're going to go. You can trade goods uh, in between each other at certain times. You may be getting something that you need, and but then they may get something that finishes up a recipe that they can completely win. Um, great game, really keeps everyone involved. Um, it's one of those ones that seems really heavy, but it's probably mid-level. Um, so if you ever get a chance to give it a try, sit down and give Yido a try. Cause I know I was very like, eh, I don't know. This doesn't look like my kind of game. I sat down and I told Patrick, set it up again. Let's go play right now. And uh great, great game. Yido. For those who haven't played, would you consider it to be an advanced level of Lords of water deep? Ah, uh, 
That's a good idea there. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, if you've played Lords of Waterdeep, this is a nice step up from it. Yeah, definitely. I haven't. I still haven't played Lords of Waterdeep either, and I feel bad. <laughs> like, well, it wasn't until last year I played it for the first time, and I felt like I was uh, really missing out on something. And that is just such a classic uh, design of a game. It, it it works so well. So either one of them, if you get a chance to play either one of them, you'll get a great experience out of both of them. I'm shocked I haven't played either, to be honest, because one of my favorite things is anything Japanese, like mm-hmm. like feudal feudal Japan or anything like that or anything East Asian. I love that that kind of theme because I grew up watching Hong Kong movies, like the old Hong oh, Kong yeah. martial arts movies. And I know that's fantasized in a lot of ways, but still, I mean, it's what I grew up with watching with my dad. True. And I love that kind of thing. And then I just recently fell in love with Seven Samurai. Um, you know, Kira Kurosawa mm-hmm. films, and those are yes. fantastic. So that's why, you know, Yido, I want to do. And plus, you know, I love Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so I don't there know. I'm honestly shocked that Waterdeep wasn't my intro game. But <laughs> I, I digress. So for what I've been playing recently, uh, I spoke about this on a upcoming uh, on the radar segment. I have been playing a collectible card game, a tradable, tradable card game. What do you want to call it? Uh, not magic. Not magic at all. I am actually not the mm-hmm. great biggest fan of magic. Um, doesn't mean I won't ever hop into it again. But I picked up a game called Flesh and Blood. Um, this is a trading card game coming out of New Zealand. It came out like a little bit before the pandemic. And the pandemic kind of stunted its growth a lot, like with most things in the tabletop industry. But it stuck through. And, you know, I've been listening to a lot of Calarian Community College about it. And... The, the guy on there who's pretty knowledgeable when it comes to TCG stuff, the professor, he says it's going to last, and I really hope it does. Um, in Flesh and Blood, you are playing heroes. It's a hero-based trading card game where the hero has some sort of characteristic. Like, are they a draconic ninja? Are they an elemental ranger? Are they just, you know, a warrior guardian? Things like that. And you build an entire deck based on those attributes. Like, the cards have, you know, basic attacks, like generic attacks, or they have, like, ninja attacks or draconic ninja attacks. And based on what kind of sets you get, what booster packs you open, you you know construct a deck out of that. Um, very typical of most CCG games. What I really like about it is that there's a couple different aspects. The first two is that there's an arsenal mechanic where um, you have four cards in your hand. You can choose to place your card, one card in the arsenal to use for later. I like how you can store cards and use it for later. That's just a fun little neat mechanic that I like. Um, the next thing is that you have equipment, which customizes your um, hero even more. You can swap equipment in and out of each other. That gives you extra perks throughout the game. That's fun. What I really love about it, what's really juicy about this game, is the combat chain in the middle. And that's the really the, the crux of the game. On a player's turn, they will play one card um, based on whether they have resources. And I'm not going to get into the, the nitty-gritty, but there's resources and, and values of cards. But basically, you play a card. The other player then has the opportunity to play a card in defense and return to block the damage. Because it's trying to simulate a fight back and forth with each other. Um, as opposed to like magic where you're just dumping spells and stuff all at once most of the time. Play a card. The other player plays a card back and forth again. And based on what card they play, they defend part of the attack. Afterwards, based on what card you play, you can keep playing cards in this combat chain. And the other player can keep defending cards if they want to. What's really gay is that when you're defending, you have a really hard choice to make. How much damage do I take from this? And how much do I want to push my luck? Because any card that I spend to defend, I'm not going to get back on my turn. I might be left with one card and I can't attack. 
And that's a really tough choice to make because you could be facing a character who's doing 20 damage to you. You only have 40 health. Like, how much do I honestly want to give up my card? Because I have a really good attack chain here that if I can just hold out, I can do a lot more damage to him if I want. It's... Oh, it's it's so good. I really love the the different heroes. I love that combat chain, that back and forth decision. It leaves so it's it's a little more thinky than magic is, and definitely one like Pokemon Digimon. But I love the think in it. Anybody who wants to get into a TCG, I recommend Flesh and Blood. It's so easy to jump into. They have such the the, the, the formats they have are much more welcoming than most of the magic formats, in my opinion. It is fantastic. But that is Flesh and Blood. I got to say something. This is really quite humorous. Um, before I got on with you guys, every now and then I'll, I'll type on to YouTube and just see what's on the first couple things. And I saw one of these on there and I was just putting up how to play flesh and blood before I got on with you. <laughs> I actually have four of the starter decks because whenever it first started out, it went nuts. And then you couldn't find it anywhere. Now, all of a sudden, you're starting to find them. So I bought four of those because I had heard how good this game is supposed to be. So I have not played it yet. I'm still kind of going through it. Uh, but uh, but yes, if we get together, we got to just tuck a couple decks into our bags or whatever and have them on us so we can give this thing a try. All right, you're going to be at PAX Unplugged, right? I will definitely be at PAX Unplugged. Bring, I will remind you because I love playing this game. Bring some flesh and blood decks. I'll bring some of mine. We'll sit down one of those days and we'll we will play. Uh, we'll that play a couple, fantastic. Ga- a couple blitz games. But that's, that's what's great about it because there's there's a format called Blitz which I love. It's just forty cards. That's, that's why I have the deck. blitz decks. Yeah, yeah, great starter decks for anyone to jump into this. Yep, it's, it takes literally ten to fifteen minutes to play. Like when I got taught the game, they taught me in twenty minutes. Of course, there was some finagling trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. When we played the game, once I got to it, I was playing games in 15 minutes in this format. That's so great. Because <laughs> other, I played Pokemon. I played Magic. It takes forever to play any of those, especially like if you're doing Commander format or something. Ah, it's just Scott. We're making this happen. Yes, we're gonna definitely, and we're gonna and we're gonna drag Patrick into it too, or something like that. <laughs> but I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, bring some decks. I'll remind you. I'll bring my all my decks that I have. And we'll Andrew will drag you in as well. <laughs> I'll, I'll be instead in my hotel room watching Yojimbo. <laughs> I will buy a deck for you, Andrew. Do you like, uh, you like ice, giant ice Thor people? Or you want like, you know, ranger, elf lightning rangers? What do you prefer? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, my instrument's saying that we're ready to go. So how about we, uh, close the hatch and we dive down deep into a very juicy story that I'm excited to hear about presented to us by none other than King Scott himself. King Scott. Yes. Spin us a yarn. Tell us a tale. Regale us with your tabletop stories of yore. All right. Well, Whenever you said this and like uh, you sent me in, uh, an email saying, talk about a game that you, that you really got into. And this was one that still to this day, we still talk about the three people that were involved and we still laugh about it and just have such a great memory. We sat down and we played Black Orchestra one day. Uh, this is uh, designed by Philip DeBerry and published by Game Salute Games. And in it, what you're doing 
basically, I'm just going to take from uh, Board Game Geek, as Hitler's grasp on Germany tightens and his maniacal fervor is unmasked, men from the highest level of the Reich begin to plot his assassination. As the clock ticks and Hitler's ambitions grow, these daring few must build their strength and prepare for the perfect moment to strike. So yes, that's what you're doing. You're trying to kill Hitler in this game. And we sat down to play it. I'd heard a lot of people talking about it, never really saw it anywhere, or you would see it in shrink wrap on the shelf and say, I don't know if I'm going to have anybody to play it with and kind of get worried about it. Because it's not really a very welcoming theme that's just like, hey, new player, come play us, play with us. We're going to kill Hitler today. Um, it's not when they're playing the good Nazis. Yeah, it's not when they're things where you're like, oh, well, jolly gee, let's go play that. Um, but no, it was such a fun time to do this. What you do, you pick out uh, different characters that you're going to play. These are based on actual people during this time period. And whenever you're playing it, you have to go all over Germany and picking up different supplies, different um, information from all these different places all over the country. And as you do it, the um, Gestapo gets a little bit smarter. They get a little bit closer to figuring out where you're at. And then you figure out, oh, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to plant a bomb on Hitler's plane and then it's going to blow up and kill him. And that's going to be it. All right, let's do it. So as you're going along, you're going around and you're not getting everything you need. You might get some information that's not really helpful, but if you get it, you can then send it to somebody else that's going to help them out to get what you need. So all this stuff here, it's very uh, similar to um, uh, Pandemic, where you're going all over the place trying to help each other. But in this, instead of, well, I guess you're killing uh, diseases instead of killing Hitler. But as you're going along here playing this, you're going to a train station and you know the Gestapo is around you and you have to be careful. You roll the dice to see if they find you. They don't find you. All right, we're a step closer. And as we played along here, we got a little bit closer. We had the dynamite. Someone else got away to get to the airfield. The other person had the schedule of Hitler, where he's going to be going. We had it all set up. We're almost to the end of the game. We get down there, we're at the airport, we have the dynamite, we're on the plane. We rolled the Gestapo, caught all three of us. Oh, man. And it was one of those things where we just looked at it, and you're like, no! I, I know people in the shop were basically looking at us like, um, are, are, are they okay? Um, <laughs> should, should someone go check on them? But uh, it was just such a tremendous time doing it. And like I said earlier, one of my biggest things with games is, sure, I like mechanics. I, I enjoy the mechanics of what you're doing, what you're playing, how A goes to B goes to C. But it's the experience of what you're doing whenever you're playing. Mm -hmm. um, so many times whenever I say that uh, I'm into board games, first thing people go into is like, wow, that's going to be great playing eight hours of sorry and uh, trouble with the Pop-O-Matic bubble and all these great things here. But they don't know. It's hard to explain the experience you get from these kind of games. Whenever you explain, yeah. yeah, we're getting together to kill Hitler and stop the war and all this kind of stuff. How do you do that? 
Um, but yeah, it was just the experience of the three of us doing it. And literally we were just like hunched over this board, looking at it. Like we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost. Damn it. And it was just such a great time doing it. Uh, even though we lost, we still have such a great memory of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes being part of this hobby so special. Um, everyone can have these kind of things here. They can play any sort of thing. Uh, for sale, it's a lighter game. You can play mm-hmm. that and still have great memories about it. Yeah, uh, You could play uno and still remember that time that someone dropped uh a draw four on you just whenever you had one card left Mm -hmm. experiences are such an important part of this hobby that it's such a great thing with all the craziness that's going on in the world and everything else having that time to do that and just shut your brain off and make your brain think in different ways is so relaxing to be able to do something like that but yeah, Black Orchestra just sticks in my head. It's such a, a wonderful thematic game. It, once again, it was another one of those ones where you look at it and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to be dumped. I mean, I'm never going to learn this thing. But once you get into the, the the flow of it, it flows along so nicely. It really does. But, you know, I think board games are just another form of entertainment, right? Like, so you can go to the movies and you can watch Valkyrie. Or you can play mm. black orchestra and you can participate in Valkyrie and you can make that storyline flow. You can change the direction it goes and you can affect the story itself, which is what right. we're here. We're here to tell stories. We want to hear these stories about these different things and learn about these different games that we may not even know about or may be intimidated by. So, mm-hmm. you know, you see that in shrink wrap that's on the, on the shelf and you're like, I don't know if we'll get somebody to play with it. But if you have that great story to tear and you tell it to your friend. And that friend goes, well, maybe I do want a chance to kill Hitler. And you go, here's the way you can try. Yes, that that is such a a, a great thing, great way of putting it. Um, There's so many things in so many things that they've done with attaching things with certain times in history that. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. So many great things that happen in a time of history that. You could play a game and then this unlocks some whole new interest that you might not have known that you had. Mm -hmm. And you can go into it. It sparks conversation with so many different people with different things. Um, It's really, truly a remarkable time that we're playing in. Um, I know a lot of times I look at it that I think with the number of games that are coming out, I feel like we're on the top part of the wave almost coming down where it's going to get too bloated with games. But uh, until that time comes, I'm riding this wave with every ounce I can and just having a grand old time with it. I feel the opposite of that. I feel like the more games that come out, the more options we have as gamers. And I think the cream is going to rise to the top. I feel like it's on the publishers to disseminate the good from the bad Mm -hmm. and keep the bloat out. But at the same time, production values have never been higher. So the quality of the great games that are coming out are the highest they've ever been. So. All this is going to do is bring more people into the hobby, which then creates more people's pockets to spend the money to make the publishers happier. So I feel like it's going to keep expanding as long as we continue to be critical in the games that we choose to actually publish and put out in the market. And the more different kinds of genres and the more different kinds of theme, the more different kinds of genres and the more different kinds of theme that come out, the more people who 
are into things that are not traditional board game based things like knitting, like bird watching, like all these different kind of things, then create a space for them to come in in their terms and then be able to explore from there. That's a great way of looking at it. Really great way of looking at it. The cream will rise to the top. Asmodee will scoop it up and serve it to us in plastic bottles. (laughs) (laughs) With miniatures. With miniatures. With, you know, cool mini are not being like, hey, we got cream too. (laughs) So so there's there's a moment in there that when you said like you were playing A, B, and C going through the motions of Black Orchestra and that everything switched on and you realize, oh, wait a second things are going to start going here really quick. And mm-hmm. that moment happened when that moment happens in games for me, like that is when a game becomes good. When, like when I understand how to, I, can, I understand how to play a lot of games, but it's when that switch happens that the game becomes immersive and it becomes an experience. Uh, so like, how does it feel for me? It's, it, it's like almost an entire mindset change. Like, First, I'm like, okay, I'm going to move this meeple here. I'm going to make this city over here. But then when that switch happens, it's like, oh, wait a second. I need to completely change my thought process in this. And now I under, I see the matrix. I I see the geometry. Well, what's that? Well, what's the moment like for you guys? You have those moments often or? I think with me, I do have those moments often because I go in a lot of times um just blank i just go in with Mm -hmm. all right let's just go and learn this patrick is the one that delves into the uh rule book so much he gets it he uh, teaches how to play and everything so he's really behind that there so it's based on how he delivers that and once you get to the point where you're can i see the rule book that's (laughs) your first step because now then you kind of know what you're looking for instead of what do I do next? You right. have an idea. So you're going to the rule book to look for it. And then God bless these people. Whenever they do just like that simple little thing on the back of the rule book, here's what you need to do during turn. And you just flip oh, yeah. that over and put it there and it's available for whenever you need it. Mm-hmm. That's whenever you're like, all right, we're an autopilot. We're getting this thing done. Let's, let's go to it. And it's just such a freeing moment there. Whenever you're playing that, that you aren't just testing the ice every step that you're taking. Mm-hmm. And let's see this. It, like whenever you're playing on a computer or something, whenever it's, a, no, you can't move there. And it's it's that same type of thing there. But whenever you're to the point and you do it and people, I think this is another thing that's kind of funny. Whenever you do a move and people look at it and like, oh, yeah, then you're like, ah, I got it. <laughs> Gutty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I I there's just the, the unspoken rules that happen at a table, like or the unspoken moments, they're just so great. Like that's what makes board gaming great. Like with a video game or something like that, you know, those moments are kind of given to you in some ways. But with a tabletop experience, it's shared with people. And when you're able to do something like what you say, where it's like, oh, yeah, I, I agree. That just feels so good because not only do you feel clever, but you know other people think you are clever. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and having other people think you're clever is almost just as satisfying, even if you lose the game. It's just like I had that moment, 
Hey, I'm awesome. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I need to feel good about myself for a second. I'll just give myself a nice little pat on the shoulder because, mm. you know, I, I want, I, even though I lost my game at Onitama, I did a really cool move or something like that. Or yeah. I, I killed Hitler in Black Orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Scott, that's, that's an awesome story. And I really love the way you talk about games. Like it's, that's why I enjoy the podcast so much. You and Patrick have a really good way of bringing out the best in the games you talk about or the worst well, when you, you choose to fillet them. So whenever <laughs> that happens, but, um, oh, I think wait till really... we finally get around to Brian Baru. Oh, that will oh. be a good one there. Wait, did you guys like, did you like Brian Baru? Don't make me. You'll have it. to wait until you hear it. Oh no. <laughs> I'm really worried. Cause I want to play that one so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in to the next episode of level up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh man, if, if Brian Baru, because usually my, my game tastes kind of aligned with you guys sometimes. So if you don't like Brian Baru, I'm going to be extremely worried. I'm not going to like it. I'm just glad I haven't dropped the 60 bucks it takes to get it. Anyways, we're down deep in the Mariana tabletop trench. Uh, we see Colossal Squid, and it looks like to be Amelia Earhart's plane, even though she crashed in Australia. You know what I'm trying to get at. We're going to now go in to see what's on our radar. Okay, so I want to hear from you, Andrew. What's on your radar? So I have finally finally decided to try out Explorers with a big old X by Phil Walker Harding. Um, I've heard big good things about this game. I've heard good things about this game, but I saw it on the shelf, thought about it, and then I found out from somebody else that it has a good app. So. I'm going to go ahead and do the app first and see how that plays. And then I'll see if I buy the physical copy. But uh, I, I know absolutely nothing about it. But one of my favorite themes in all kind of board games is exploration of different types. So this, this has been on my radar for a while. I'm finally given a chance to try it. I adore Phil Walker Harding in so many ways. Sushi Go is excellent. Baron Park is amazing. Mm-hmm. I know some people think otherwise, <laughs> maybe here around the table, but uh, I, I love I love Phil Walker Harding. He's just so good at what he does. Yeah, I just got introduced to Baron Park uh, not too long ago on um, uh, BGA, and I've been playing that a lot. I, it's one that I think is not going to stay around that long, but it is very entertaining. I have a great time playing it and trying to be clever, more clever than the other people I'm playing against just for that one moment, like we say, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a nice design for that. I think it's a great gateway game. So I think there's yeah. a reason to move past it, but I think at the same time, it'll be strong for the time that it's there. Yes. Yes. That's a great way of putting it. Well, for me, I have found, uh, my grail game in a lot of ways, something I've been trying to latch on for a while too. And that is war of the ring. Um, mm. This game has been out for a long time. Uh, they are coming out with a War of the Ring card game here soon. And I'm probably going to get that as well out of uh, a very strong recommendation from Stephen Bonacore. Mm-hmm. So it's War of the Ring. You're playing through the story of pretty much like the latter half of the story of Lord of the Rings. One player plays the Free Peoples. The other player plays, you know, the Shadow. And... The player who's playing the Free Peoples of Middle Earth are trying to basically hold off the forces of Mordor until Frodo can get his way to Mount Doom and destroy the ring. Whereas Mordor is just trying to you know, crush everything in their path. Um, it's a complex one, it's a heavy one, but I 
want to get into it because I heard it's a fantastic two-player experience, and I am a diehard Lord of the Rings fan in every way, shape, or form. So I'm excited to get this on the table. I'm excited to put, you know, pretty much take up my entire small little kitchen table with this game <laughs> and just spend a day, you know, six hours or so playing with my wife, trying to wrestle a toddler who wants to touch everything on the table. But I'm looking forward to this War of the Ring. Uh, Scott, you have a newer game on here that is kind of taking the board game world by storm a little bit with very little information about it. So I want to hear about this. Yes. Um, well, working at PAX Unplugged, I'm going to be working with, um, I, I have a hard time saying his last name, Kevin Burkhart's Meyer, Berkey. Oh, Berkey, I mean, Berkey, yeah. Probably, yeah. Yes. Uh, at uh, Game Topper. So he's going to be in the first look area. And luckily, this game's going to be in the first look area. So I'm going to have a lot of time with this one. Um, and that is Lacrimosa. Oh, and yeah. This one here, it just looks very interesting that you're playing in two different time areas and you're working on things with Mozart's uh, final uh, symphony. And you're trying to get all this stuff together uh, pay people to finish up things, uh, get the information for stuff, put things on uh, display for to raise money in order to get more stuff. It reminds me in a way a little bit of Thebes almost. It feels like mm. that, that could be a little bit of a theme in there. Uh, but it just looks so great. The board looks amazing. All the bits and everything that are going mm -hmm. along here. And the theme of it, I think, is just fantastic. Um, the idea of trying to complete a musical score is just how can you possibly do that? I mean, that kind of yeah. sticks in your mind. They're like, oh, this is interesting. Let's check this one out. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Lacrimos is one I'm really, really looking forward to. And I'm going to try my darndest to play it as much as possible as I can uh, at PAX. Count me in. I want to join you on that one. I may not play Flesh and Blood, but I'll play that one. <laughs> definitely definitely andrew you got it andrew what made you think you had a choice to play flesh or blood or not <laughs> well i'm getting the gist that i don't <laughs> awesome okay well looking at our oxygen levels i am seeing that we are almost out so we're going to do a straight nosedive up into the surface you, you can't nosedive up what a stupid thing to say anyways <laughs> we're going to shoot right back up the surface and let scott get back to the land where he can rule and reign well, King Scott, it has been amazing having you on. I'm so Agreed. glad we finally get you on the submarine. Thank you. If people want more King Scott, if people want more of you, if they want more of Scott Walton, where can they go? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm not really branded or anything there, but uh, but definitely uh, listen to our podcast, the Level Up Board Game Podcast. Uh, it's www.levelupgamepodcast.com. Uh, we just finished up last night uh, recording our 75th episode. So I can't believe we're 75 already. Yeah. Um, but we've been having a blast on that. Uh, and I'm always up for just fun. I mean, go to BGA. I'm King Scott 107 on there. Look me up. Hit me up. We'll play some games. Uh, I'm just getting ready to head to Alabama to film a television show uh, next week. And then I'm off and running around doing acting all over Pennsylvania for the next month, basically. So it's going to be kind of crazy. So uh, 
hit me up on Facebook, send me a message, a, a joke. I mean, I'm always up for laughter, fun times, uh, being silly, whatever you can think of. I mean, and I'll be at PAX Unplugged working with Berkey at the table to, uh, game toppers. Um, so stop by, say hi. It'll be a great time. Awesome. Well, listeners, thank you so much for, you know, coming on the podcast today. I want to take a moment and, you know, if you like what you're hearing, if you like what you're listening to, if you want to have more stories, more guests on the podcast, like Scott, you know, please, the best way to support us is to share with your friends, you know, share on your Facebook pages, your Twitters, your Instagrams. Uh, I don't know how you would share on the, on the TikToks, but you can do all that. Let people know about the podcast and about these amazing stories that are being shared. Also, reach out to us with your amazing stories as we would love to have you on the show at some point, too, to tell the story that you want to tell. Scott, any final words to our listeners? Well, I think this is a saying that's uh, stuck with me um, for the longest uh, of all times here. And it's, it's, it's very poignant and something to really keep in mind. Um, you can lead a horse to water, but that doesn't make him a duck. Love it. I don't know how to respond to this. <laughs> I believe you either quack or you nay. One of the two. That's the way you gotta go. Uh, I want to rethink my life a little bit now. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Scott, for coming on. As always, my name is Josh. And I'm Andrew. And this has been the Tabletop Submarine.